Welcome to SCGA Off the Huzzle, the official podcast of the South Carolina Golf Association. Hey, and welcome back. I'm Alan Knight, joined by Biff Lathrop. Biff, how are you? Doing great, Alan. Doing good. Still trying to recover from all the Thanksgiving festivities. You look good. You don't like you ate too much. I ate a lot, though. I had, I had to do a lot of, <laughs> a lot of walking to get back, get all that you. stuff out of me. But it was good. We had a good, good, good week. Yep, yep. Uh, had some great events this time of year, man. That for junior golf anyway that fall swing yeah yeah it's been uh it's fall swing just keeps on swinging it just keeps on going it's but it's been good man and we had a we had a great event up at the players championship at yeah. hartsville country club i'm um, sure a little frost delay in the early morning kind of pushed us around a little bit on saturday but yeah you know it, it's again they, they do such a great job up there at hartsville and they enjoy having us we enjoy going there the french fry guys uh yeah i miss that yeah i do yeah, they, they do a good job they get the tvs going and the Music. And music and and beverages if you're thirsty. Sometimes I think they forget it. we're at the golf course. No, no doubt. No <laughs> doubt. But they uh they do a good job. Everybody enjoys being there and you know, our, our our team gets in there and gets it knocked out and uh that first day we, we do a we do a the, the ten to twelve age group for the boys and the girls. They play nine whole rounds, but we do two of them in the first day. So yeah. they they come in their first day and get done and uh Carson Heron Okay. Uh, from the girls' 10 to 12 age group, took took the title with a 41-44-85 score. Yeah. And then uh, in the boys' 10 to 12 group, Bennett Scaletta shot a 38-37-71. That's so really good playing from those youngsters there and soon-to-be competitors. Yeah. Um, and the boys – and the girls' 13 to 18 age group, you, you know this name, Sydney Roberts. Oh, yeah. Sydney set a scoring record. Uh, I saw that. 65, 66, 131, 11 shot victory. Beat Lauren Stevenson's yep, record, I believe. Yep, sure did. She's getting ready to, she's signed with Clemson. I think she's going to yep. be a freshman at Clemson next fall. So good for Sydney. She's a heck of a player. Um, good girl. And the boys' age is 13 to 14. Uh, you know this name again, Hugh Faulkner. Yeah, uh, I love you, Hugh Faulkner. <laughs> Hugh Faulkner. That's right. Uh, 73, 73, 146 for the title in that age group. And then the boys' 15 to 18 age group. We had a playoff, two-hole playoff, and uh, Walker Jennings outlasted Harris Holstein yeah. uh, with a total of 142. They both shot 142. Walker shot a little 69 the last day to get into that playoff Man. and the win. So Good for him. Good for them. Uh, good for Hartsville. Good playing for, for everyone. It's, again, just a great event. Good good times there. Everybody has a good time. So. Yeah. No, it's uh, – I miss that place. I, yeah. I definitely do. They do a good job. And, you know, we rolled right from there. That that was a Saturday-Sunday event. And then the next Monday, we were down at the River Golf Club, the South Carolina Golf Association, uh, had our Lathrop Cup. Yes, sir. Which is the senior version of our Trescott, the team championship. It's aggregate score of all three people. You know, I have to remind people, it's called the Lathrop Cup, but it's not a memorial. It's in celebration. Yeah. Happ is still alive. Yeah. Um, so we, but we get all these teams together. And, uh, you know, it's a tough format. I mean, the three amateurs go out there for the Lathrop Cup, and they have to count – all their strokes and their total scores, the three of them, is oh, what, yeah. their, what their aggregate is. And yeah. um, the Country Club of Lexington, Mr. Ben Jett and Rusty Massey and Stan Rawl, man, they shot a total of plus four between the three of them. That's good. Two seventeen victories. That's so, yeah. impressive. And then their their pro Stephen Hart, we jumped in there and they they managed to take the pro am part of it too, oh, did they? which is you know the two yeah. best balls, right. all four of them. So had a great event, man. The River Golf Club is just such a good place down there. If, if you haven't visited, it's it's a wonderful golf course, always in good condition. Um, they stay busy. I tell you what, I've never been there. You've never been there. No, you need to. It's, yeah. it's a good one, right across the river. You can look look at Augusta right across the river. So uh, 
Yeah. Really, really good. Um, that same week, we turned right around. The juniors got back at it again the day before Thanksgiving. The Thanksgiving Eve event is what yeah. we call it. Yep. Man, we had so many kids sign up. We were going to do it all at Columbia Country Club, but we ended up breaking it up, taking the girls over to Wildwood, yep. uh, the boys at Columbia Country Club. And again, Mother Nature got us. We had a two about a two-hour frost delay, which didn't help us get done with the boys event we had to cut right. it to nine holes yeah uh yep. but sometimes you got to do what you got to do but we had we had enough girls or few enough girls that we could get all 18 done there and the girls 13 18 division caitlin Gaines shot an 83 for a three-shot victory over at wildwood would have beat me easily at wildwood would have beat me like a drum <laughs> yeah uh and the boys 13 to 18 group uh they actually ended up with a tie sage bradshaw and mr luke sullivan we've heard yep. his name a few times uh yep. both shot one under par 35 for their nine hole yeah. rounds that day. So we thank both facilities, Columbia and Wildwood. You know, that's a that's a busy time. Um you got, you know, right before Thanksgiving a lot of people off. Golf is crazy as it is, but for them to give up their golf course and let us come out there and do that is fantastic. Yeah. Big and I know that's uh, can be a busy day for golf. Yeah. I mean yeah. it's a busy day, it's a busy time and uh you know it's uh it's it's very appreciated. We'll see what happens. We're trying to figure out next year's events, but um you know yeah. it's it's good to be able to go to places and do things like that. Um, from there, kind of got done with all our events since the last time we were together, but we still got schedule coming up. This weekend, as we speak, on the 4th and 5th of December, we've got 55 players going to be at the Fall Series at Fort Jackson. Nice. Play the Wildcat course. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that's, an, that's another part of this, this Fall Series we're doing. I think we're going to kind of re- rename this thing and kind of retitle it. We're going to call it the Player Series. Okay. Uh, the goal is to have one of these every month throughout the year. Wow. And then really focus in on the summer uh, chapter series, too. So yeah. um, we're, we're excited about where this is going and the opportunities it's giving some of these kids to kind of get their tournament experience and get out there on the on a weekend when, when school's not going on. So um, we'll do the last one of those this, this weekend at Fort Jackson. And then our 40-plus finale, which is always a two-man event, uh, we do that on a Sunday, Monday. Yeah. And this year we're going to be at Kalawasi. Wow. We love Kalawasi. Billy Bagwell's yeah. there. Um, Wes Grantham, the head professional there, has always been good to us. we got 50 teams registered, so we ought to have a good time at that. Yeah, no, that's a beautiful location. That's a good spot. And we come back from there the next weekend. We've got on December the 11th, we've got an oyster roast. we still got tickets available for that oyster roast if anybody wants to come. But this is a fundraiser for the Junior Golf Foundation. Yep. Uh, silent auction, food, drink, and obviously oysters. That's why we call it the oyster roast. Yeah, let's. Um, just you can take my word for it. it's a good time it's a good time yeah, we'll have a good time so if you want to get involved let's contact us here at the office uh 803-732-9311 and we'll get you taken care of and then before the year's up we got two more events we got the ford picard christmas classic on december the 18th and 19th down at wild dunes yeah we've had so many teams registered for the parent child you know the first day we do the parent child and the second day is the junior yes um we've had so many teams registered this year and we couldn't do it this year but we, we we had we were limited on how many teams we could take so next year we've already made plans we're going back to two golf courses are you really remember we did two golf courses years ago before my time yep yep I, this was always i heard about those days yeah and we were always just one golf course. Kudos, that's great for y'all, man. Yeah, I'm excited. We, uh, I'm we, glad I don't have to work it. I know it's uh, it's going to be it'll be a full day. But you know, I mean, it, it's just again we get these parents, just a parent child first day, and we got so much, so many requests, and we're just trying to do everything we can to get them involved. Man, that's Har- good. Harbor course, we'll have a good time with that. Um, we finish up the year with our New Year's Eve. Eve yeah. Classic. Where's that this year? Doing that at Santee this year. Okay, good. 
So uh, that'll be our junior event. So we'll give you a little background on that. Yeah, what's Thanksgiving that? Eve Eve, we used to run at Cat Island, okay, down there in Beaufort, and we do we always did the New Year's Eve Eve in the Columbia area, but with that Thanksgiving Eve being a huge travel day, I decided I didn't want to get stuck in traffic, and and it's tough to get to Beaufort if you're from Greenville or right. you're, you know. So that's when we they moved we moved it to Columbia. Yeah, well we're we're excited about it. It's going to be good. Uh, it's a good way to end end the year up and get going and you know we turn right around the next three weeks later we start that we do the tournament of champions so the off season is very limited here at the golf association which is great i got a little note uh research circling back to the players championship real quick lauren stevenson set the record 10 years ago okay 10 years ago and this is a question for biff he, he won't get it right i doubt who won the 10 to 12 division 10 years ago oh my goodness 10 to 12 years ago so that'd be 20 years of eyes I have no idea. Trent Phillips. Wow. Was the boys 10 to 12 players champion 10 years ago. Really? Yeah. Man, how time flies. I know. And Lauren obviously set that record that just got broken. Man. Well, we've had some good names. We've had some big names come through the program and through the Golf Association. Yes, we have. So, who we got today? Uh, today, we are going to be talking to Mr. Rock Lucas out oh. of uh, over there at Charwood Country Club. Rock, he's got a story, man. I mean, he's yes. – he, as far as the industry is concerned, he's, he's one of those guys that can do it all and has been doing it all since he was a youngster. Yeah, he's got a voice for radio too, man. Man, doesn't he ever? It was. Uh, he's got his own podcast, the yeah, golf, golf it, business podcast. It was good. We we enjoyed talking to him. I enjoy, enjoy hearing the, hearing the, what's coming up and what he's got going on. And I'm telling you, a man that knows a little bit about everything is for sure. Yes, he does. Here he is, Rock Lucas. Well, we've got a, a guest join us today who wears many hats, too many for us to wear. Mr. Rock Lucas, how are you? Doing fine. Appreciate y'all having me here today. Good Thank to have you. you, sir. Thank you for being here. And for anybody who doesn't already know, Mr. Lucas, you are you're an owner, you're a professional, you're a golf course superintendent, you're a former president, correct? You're not now, are you? Currently president of the South Carolina Golf Course Owners, and I'm a past president of the National Golf Course. There you Owners, go. But still on the board of directors, it's not on the executive board anymore. Gotcha. So he's a husband. He's a father. Yeah, Charwood Golf Club. Yep. And recently, now the uh, Lexington County uh, Commissioner with the um, Capital Sales Tax Project. So they're <laughs> going to bring up the penny for uh, progress again tax for capital improvements in the county. So that'll be on the ballot next year in November. So Man. we just had our first commission meeting yesterday on. Lexington County? Yep, Lexington County. Charwoods in Lexington, is that right? Yep, yep. You're a busy man. Well, and that, and then we got uh, the um, uh, uh, strategic plan for the county as well, too, as far as growth and all that, so on that commission as well. Man, being from around here, growing up here all my life, that Richland and Lexington County lines just intermingle so much. I don't ever know where the hell I am half the time. Well, if you're from Lexington County, you know exactly where the line is. That. If you're from Richland, it might not be, but if you're from Lexington, you know where it is. <laughs> the only time you cross that river is to go to a sporting event. <laughs> wow. That's great. So how did you get started in golf, period? Um, my dad took up golf. A friend of his was an avid golfer, really good scratch golfer, and um, uh, won a lot of club championships and was one of the original board members at Hidden Valley when they built Hidden Valley. So my dad, he got my dad into it. So my dad was one of the original stockholders at, at okay. Hidden Valley. And I started playing at about eight, and I won the first club championship at Hidden Valley as a junior at nine. Did you really? In wow. the junior division. Yep. And um, grew up playing there and um, 
and I remember the old golf pro Rothschild, like if you took a uh, practice swing and took a divot, he would chew you out. Is that right? Know? And I was playing with somebody the other day, and I did the same thing. Man, quit taking divots with your practice swing. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so where did you exactly grow up? What town? I grew you? up right there in Pine Ridge, where the golf course okay. is, where our golf course is now. Yeah, so, really. Um, so we uh, were members there, and Dad liked it so much, and then he and my buddy, uh, his buddy, were sitting on the back porch at our house, and. It was on the hill, and you're overlooking all the farmland, and across the street was a couple hundred more acres of farmland. They were just talking about how pretty that would be of a golf course, and one thing led to another, and next thing you know, the farm became a nine-hole golf course operating out the farmhouse as the clubhouse, and the barn was the maintenance building and the and the cart shed. And How old were you? Still nine, ten, or you old? I was nine then um, because I, I literally – uh, one of the partners said, well, if you're going to work here, you got to be on payroll. So I was paying into the Social Security system at nine years old. Wow. <laughs> so when people don't believe me, so I had to say, well, hey, I got an old stub here somewhere for the, the you know, how long you've been paying into the retirement plan for yeah. the state and, or Social Security. Wow. And, um, so I've got those. I've been paying in since I was nine. So the surveyor sits, you know, uh, the farm holes that were going to stay, you know, not a whole lot of earth moving. So there was still soybeans and all that on the property. So the surveyors came through and then. I was the second person in line. I was on the track with a bush hog at nine, bush hogging between so, the ribbons. Not to age you, but give us a time frame for this now so we can kind of get our heads around. Um, I was born in 64, so that would be okay. um, 73. Yeah, 73. Yeah. Okay. And so we were building the golf course then, and then um, I actually was running bulldozers and – you know, and I wasn't wow. a good shaper, but I could push some dirt. And the name was originally Charwood? Yeah. Where'd that come from? Um, my mom came up with a name. Uh, my dad's middle name was Charlie, and his partner, his middle name was uh, Woody. Um, yeah. And so it became Charwood. She put it together in Charwood. And then so they operate a, as a partnership for a while, and then like a lot of them, it got to be one of us needs out. So yeah. And my dad offered to say, hey, you can buy or you can sell. Either one's fine with me. <laughs> And he said, I'll let you know by Monday. And that was on a Friday. And he sold. Thank goodness he sold. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> now, well, I say thank goodness most of the time. Thank right, you. right. Now, y'all, y'all, y'all started with nine holes? Yes, nine holes. And then just. Then we had enough land with that farmland. So then in um, early to mid-80s, we built nine more holes. So we went to 18 holes. So we were still operating out of that old farmhouse, um, added on to the farmhouse, and added a kitchen and um, porches and stuff like that. And some hip roof lines and just dressed it up a little bit, put a little lipstick on that pig. And yep. then, Is that the current clubhouse? No, no that okay. was still at the um, – so, and then in, the, uh, in 89 and 90, we built – we acquired uh, 100 more acres of land from the state uh, budget control board that was landlocked, but it adjoined our property. And so we acquired that property and built nine more holes to go to 27, and we moved the clubhouse, which is about a mile – you know, a little less than a mile in. Okay. And so we've moved to clubhouse and uh, built it. And we were going to operate up a modular uh, trailer. Like, you know, they do a lot of golf courses. Right. You know, hey, and when we get this many members or whatever, we'll build a clubhouse. But for the lease payment of a modular, we could build the shell of the clubhouse. And so we just built the shell and we operated all of one room in the clubhouse and we got a little money. So we built another room in the clubhouse and another room. And so. Just kept on going. Just yep. building it as you went. Yep. You, 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 we, we talk about you wearing a lot of hats as far as being PGA superintendent, whatever else. But you, you wear a lot of hats within Charwood too. I mean, you've been, you, you run, you do it all. Well, Daniel and I have got a pretty good system uh, going. You know, he's a Class A uh, superintendent as well, and so we both work maintenance in the morning. So we'll be at the golf course. You know, sun come, well long before the sun comes up. But um, so we both work maintenance, and then around twelve or so, he goes to the clubhouse, starts working with the uh, staff inside. Um, I stay on the 
golf course and then like right now he's doing running um for odds and ends stuff that we need for the uh for the club and um deposits and all that kind of stuff and then somebody's got to do it um and then so every two weeks i go in and i pay well every afternoon i go in the clubhouse you know mess around fiddle around make sure everything's going and put you know your fingerprints everywhere and then um but every two weeks i do payroll so i do all the outgoing so like this morning which was a perfect day to do it because it's nasty outside so i did payroll payroll taxes sales tax admissions tax uh paid all our outgoing invoices and bills and everything so i do that every two weeks and then daniel does all uh the reconciliation so everything coming in so all your merchant deposits bank deposits uh nightly uh closing transactions and all that so he reconciled all of those so he does everything coming in i do everything going out so no, neither one of us is bogged down in office right. for yeah and so it it uh works out pretty good and then when i leave here i'll go to sam's do all the shopping for the for the club for the grill <laughs> and then um yeah and then head on back but you know to that point though i mean i, I get it i mean that's kind of how the scga grew was from there you know we we did it all you talked i didn't push tractors with dirt when i was nine years old but i was pushing a cart with a gatorade thing on the back <laughs> yep. you know a gatorade boy um but no delivery trucks you know you go out and do your thing you go to sam's you go get what you need for to get the things i mean you just do it all you do what you got to do to make it work yeah and, and um some people say you know i've heard some operators say well you know you, look at all the other stuff you could be doing your time's worth more than that I said, well, i'm working the whole time anyway so i'm on the phone so when i pulled up here to parking lot, i spent 15 minutes on the phone i was on the phone all the way over here yeah. um so i'm still working no matter what so it's whether it's uh on the phone taking care of this or taking care of that or whatever so uh, you know and, or I'm going to listen to a podcast while I'm in Sam's yep. or, um, you know, so there's a, yeah, we're working all the time with new technology, which I can't stand because it, yeah, yeah I, I'll tell everybody I'm working my way back to a flip phone. It's <laughs> like <laughs> so I got, when, when we first did these things, I went to Hap, I said, I said, you ready for one of these new phones? He's, yeah. So I walked in at and I need the dumbest smartphone you got. <laughs> and it, he still messed it up. Yep. So um, you, how did you end up taking over the golf course? Did your father pass away, or did you buy um, it? No, that's a good uh, question. So I'd worked at the golf course, you know, worked all through high school, through you know, middle school, high school. Yeah. Um, Elementary school. You know, I, I've always – I don't think I've ever not had two or three jobs. So, you know, I was playing football, um, played basketball until I realized I wasn't nearly good enough to play basketball. I hear you. And uh, so I played golf and football. And then, um, and I was working at the old Rite Aid or Eckerd's at the time, yep, drugstore, yep. shocking st- stocking shelves at night, um, work at the golf course on the weekends, um, and after school when it wasn't sports, so I've always been around it. Uh, graduated, um, was still working at the golf course, went to Carolina, and um, the University of South Carolina asked me to leave <laughs> i hear you i hear you you're too good of a student <laughs> yeah, yeah that's good. exactly right i said do you need to uh maybe this isn't for you so i joined the military okay and then uh came back and then i said well, i'm gonna go back to school you know i got my act together i'm gonna go back right. to school and they said now nah, we got uh standards now oh wow <laughs> so miss uh dean ada thomas at the business school she gave me so i'm gonna give you one semester of probation only because you came out the military and i ended up graduating with honors and, yeah. and awesome. um, but i was working at eps at night Still working at the golf course, graduated, and then I was moving to Charlotte. But well, matter of fact, I already hadn't moved, but I was driving back and forth to Charlotte every day, uh, working in Charlotte in, in the uh, trucking business. Man. And um, and I was looking for a house to buy. I was married and everything, looking for a house. And then my dad said, "Well, before you move, um, you know, would you 
you know, I want to talk to you. And so he was, you know, he'd worked hard all his life. He was a World War II uh, veteran and worked hard, you know, his entire life. And yeah. so he's you know, getting a little tired. And so he, he wanted me to come back. And I said, well, you know, I've got an excellent career, but I'll come back. But it's going to be a two-way street. I'll work for one year. And if you don't like, you know, the way I do things or whatever, then, you know, because it is my dad. Oh, know? yeah. And so yeah. I said, uh, and you know the – we know it well. Been there, done that. Yep. So I said, if, you know, at the end of the year, if, if I don't like it, then I can go freely and go back into, you know, whatever it is I'm going to get into. And if um, if I don't like it, if you don't like it, I can go. And I said, but if I, if we do work it out, I'm not going to stay as an employee because I was the last of ten kids of his, hers, and ours. So I know how that plays out. I'm not going to work here, and then all of a sudden something happens to you, and then now I'm working for nine other mm-hmm. siblings. And so yeah. we had to we literally had a business contract drawn up by some of the best attorneys um and so i could buy each year i could buy uh shares of the business and then we had um if something happened to him then i had to buy him out so uh, the estate out and so my dad ended up dying in 97 which would be 24 years ago and so when other people they get inheritances i had to go to the bank and borrow a couple million dollars (laughs) right (laughs) right and um and pay off the estate so, yeah, wow, that's a tough one, man. That didn't come easy by yeah. any means. No, it's uh, and we went. You know, I mean, there's been some bumps in the road, and then yeah, 2007 comes. I was and, about to say that's the that's the biggest bump of them all. Hadn't oh it? yeah, yeah, that was I don't remember <laughs> that was you that survived. Was yeah, and, you survived uh, it though. And then I, you know, and then Daniel kind of got into it, and I said, "Son, you don't want to do this. You know, go do something else. You do not want to do this." Was he hard headed? Yes, he's, well, he's, he's working there. Obviously, oh, I know. I know. <laughs> same, same here. As this yeah, guy. He's, a, he's a big part of it. There's yeah. no oh, doubt. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, how did he? How did did he just go out there with you as a young man, cutting cups or riding around with you on the same, mornings? Exact same thing I did. He since he was in diapers. I mean, every piece of equipment I was on, I, I rode one of those. We'd be putting in irrigation lines or or. Uh, We'd be upgrading and putting in. We had an old manual. I remember when Lexington Country Club got rid of their quick couplers and went to automated their system. And Larry uh, Smith. Smith was there, and he says, uh, "I said, what you gonna do with those quick couplers?" Huh. He goes, "They're all yours, man." Nice. And we, I said, I was the happiest man on the face of the earth because I had irrigation. I put quick couplers <laughs> in, and I wasn't, wasn't smart enough to know how dumb I was. <laughs> <laughs> so but we, uh, so we did that. But he, Daniel would ride. So you had the trenchers, the old ditch witch trenchers, where you had the bucket on the front and you had a, yeah. a, a seat up front for the uh, bucket. And then you had the trencher in the back. So while I'm running the trencher, he's strapped up in the front, in bucket. The, uh, front bucket seat. Having fun. Yeah. yeah. And um, and so that's how he grew up. And then uh, there were some medical issues. And so he yeah. was pretty much homeschooled at the golf course. Yeah. Um, so the, the, And they loved the teachers loved that because they would come to the golf course. And we had to grill. Their <laughs> husbands would come with them and hit range balls or play <laughs> golf while they're homeschooling Daniel. And, he had uh, great grades, I'm sure, that year. Yeah. I forgot about those health issues. That's right. Yeah. That was pretty significant. But he's come through with that flying oh, colors. Yeah. I mean, oh, you yeah, wouldn't man. know any different. Yeah, you wouldn't ever know. Yeah. Um, you know, they said he would have a little uh, slapstick hockey, you know, uh, stick swing, and he's manufactured a swing where he can he can move it out there. Nice. I was about to say, he's a pretty good player. Yeah. Yeah. Do you get so. to play much? Or is it like I, everybody else in the industry? Well, I mean, I play – uh, I look at my I keep again and, and I um I average probably thirty five rounds a year and then I might throw in one or two that probably didn't get posted or I played nine, you know, I don't really right. do like I'm supposed to posting sure. the nine holes and all that, but our dog fight but um, so I play about thirty five. And it's and, gin, like the tonic, gin and tonic. Yeah. yeah. 
But you get to play a little bit, so you yeah. get to play a little bit out there. That's and it good. was a matter of fact that you remember I got the instruction right. for you. I had to do yep. medical, so I was down about a three seven, and that's about you know I, I don't I can't stand practicing. I don't hit a ball. I'll yeah. go to the first tee and wherever it goes, it goes. Well, and that's what you know. People ask me if I play, and I don't. I play four times a year, maybe, and it's so ugly and it's so bad. But I I can go practice and. I usually get a day off. I don't go back to the golf course. So. No, I'm yeah. sure you don't. All right, so the the golf course twenty it was twenty seven holes. Yeah, and y'all, when did you start your most recent project of minimizing? Well, it's been we were talking about this yesterday. It's been five years now, I think, and um, it was a post two thousand seven. Yeah, I remember like it was yesterday. I was playing golf at Stone Oak Fair down for a golf course owners meeting. Okay, in Charleston, and it was a national meeting at the headquarters in Charleston, and we were playing Stone Oak Ferry, and it was Greg Wood. To, uh, general manager Stone Owen, myself, I forgot who the fourth, but it was Peter Hill, which, you know, he owned Billy Casper Golf. Okay. And which had just sold out. So, you know, and, and for for a guy like me to be from a little small town and, and my background and to be able to know the people in golf that I know across the country. Yeah. And not only just run into them, but become friends and, you know, have beer or call them if I need something or they, you know, check on you or whatever. So I'm playing. I said, Peter, I said, how long do you think this, you know, this slump is going to last in golf. And he looked at me and said, it's not going to come back in mine and yours management lifetime. Mm. So we were paying our bills, and but we were just, you know, just getting by. I said, why in the world are we going to struggle, you know, and continue this? So, and that's not who we are. That's not our personalities. That's not what we want to do. We are either going to excel or we're going to move on and find something else to do. So we made the decision to go back to 18 holes, which is the best decision we ever did. And then COVID hit. You know, which we could I was have had six. I was going to ask if you were not regretting, and it was a, it was a tough question. I didn't really want to ask, but you obviously could. Yeah, use thirty six holes right now. But when you took nine away, you didn't just take one particular nine. You kind of kept. You did the best route. It you was could. all strategic. So we rerouted the golf course, and we wanted the best routing of the golf course to yeah. have the best golf course that we could provide um, within our budget constraints, and then at the same time, leave as much land open for development if the market or the timing was right yeah, for development. And, um, and when it was all said and done, the, the irony of it is is that the rerouting of the front nine is the exact same routing as the original nine holes when we built the golf course in 1973. Really? Wow. <laughs> so it's, when we finished, we got back to the same place. Ain't that something? Come full circle. <laughs> now, yeah. who, who designed that original nine? Uh, Do you have a design? My dad and his, and his buddy on a Waffle House napkin. <laughs> okay, that's what I was wondering. It wasn't a uh, golf no, course architect, no, uh, so to speak. Well, yeah. it sounds like just where it started. They sat on the front porch and had a couple cocktails and said, this would be a great idea, and next thing you know, hold my beer. Yeah. And, we're still, and we're still doing the same thing now. So when you get into all the projects that we're doing, so we went back to 18. Um, now we're able to, and ironically enough, too, is – our revenue now with 18 holes is more than it was when we had 27 holes. We're smarter operators. Right. I mean, we do a yeah. whole lot of things differently now that, I, you know, you didn't know what you didn't know until you start going to the educational conferences, until you start having a seat at the bar with people at the conferences from around the country. Yep. And you start picking the brains and, you know, and no one ever, ever started doing a, a credit card surcharge in golf. No right. one ever did it. And I'm sitting again with uh, David Pillsbury of, uh, club court and club court went to what they used to call it cardex and so if you remember club court you paid through cardex and then they added all the fees whatever cards you had was added to so you know you've got cards from three percent to six percent cash back right. rewards and all that well the credit card companies aren't paying those and the person who holds the card wasn't paying them it's the merchants so it's the golf courses so 
you run a card for 50 bucks, you're not getting 50 bucks. Right. You know, so you might be getting 44, 45, you know, 47. So we, I said, well, you know, so I asked him kind of about the pushback. He said, well, they, they can still pay a debit card. They can still pay with check. They can still pay with cash, which the majority of those people aren't doing. They're, They're just all paying, paying their, their own fees. Right. He said, Rock said, you'd be surprised at how many people still use that card because they want all these free travel and free miles and airline miles and hotel rooms and all that. So I so said, man, we came back and started doing it. So when you start doing small things like that, your revenue per round uh, starts jumping yeah. pretty quick. You're gaining some points there. Yeah, so, you know, everybody talks about rounds. Well, rounds, you know, as an old guy said, you know, so my banker don't ask how many rounds I played last year. <laughs> my banker wants to know how much money you made. What about maintenance practices? It did different things they're out there doing to try to cut costs and well, growing areas. Um, you got the natural. We did the USGA. Um, we were one of the early guinea pigs. Again, being around this group, I was at technology conference in Vegas and got to talking. I don't know if you know Hunky in with the USGA. Mm-hmm. He just moved yeah. to Greenville. Yeah. He was here not long ago. All right, well, got to know Hunky real well. And this yep. is when he's still living up in New Jersey in Far Hills. So they were doing this, um, the GPS loggers, and they, now it's called the Deacon Program. Yep. And matter of fact, I did a presentation to the USGA about the Deacon Program and how we used it and implemented it and all that. So we took the GPS loggers, but mainly it was high-dollar resort courses, um, high-dollar Southern California municipal golf courses, doing 120,000 rounds. So that was who were using these products. And I said, well, you know, I want to do that. And you, you know, put the loggers in people's pockets, and, and, and it logs everything, and they, you send them all back, and they'll give you a, um, a heat map. Yeah. And the, the data of where exactly where everyone went on the golf course, walked, road how much time they spent at every spot on the golf course and we knew a lot of this already but it confirmed what we were thinking and then we went in these areas and you either change your maintenance practices you either don't mow these areas or you better start mowing these areas or you better start thinning these trees out or wood lines out because that's where a lot of you know bottlenecks are on the golf course so then we got a uh, forestry mulcher and we went in and everywhere there was a bottleneck we started mulching and taking out timber and trees and um and we're part of that sand belt that runs from Pinehurst down into South Georgia, that 15 mile wide. So we started capitalizing on that. So we removed about 40 acres of turf. Now we're down to 55 acres of managed turf. Wow. So this, which is, you start taking about, you know, how much maintenance that's reduced. And especially all that comes back now with the COVID, you can't find employees, you can't find anyone. So we try to minimize our maintenance. Yeah. We did stuff like, you know, you see now a lot of these match play or hoopy match play, um, sim, uh, not stream song. Um, PJ National went, went to a match play course where there's no team markers. Yeah. So the only reason I have team markers is because if you've got some, somebody has to have some idea of is it seven thousand yards or is it five thousand yards. So um, and then plus if you play in the group behind you, where did you tee off? Right. Right. So we went to a tall, just one marker. Now I know being a golf I'm official, with you. I'm with you. <laughs> yeah, you know, you you know, tournament golf are going to hate it. Sure, yeah. but it also instead of having these troughs across the tee, you know, where you know, so now everybody kind of tees up. You can tee off anywhere you want, just as long as you're behind that uh, stop, and then we can mow tees. The guy on the tee, instead of having a setup guy, he takes up one guy goes ahead of tee more, takes them all off. Somebody else mows tees. Somebody else comes behind and puts all the tees up, or the same guy gets on and off. Our guy grabs it, mows puts it to another location never gets off the mower so we did the math that's seven thousand dollars a year that's incredible yeah. we, you know so yeah. it's just a lot of things that we 
dudes that are unorthodox. That you just made me feel more guilty about going to these championships when we asked them to pull all the T markers off except for that one set we're <laughs> going to use and then have to put them all back on later on. So. But, no, I mean, th- those types of things, and we're seeing more and more of it. Camden made that move a little bit. Camden Country Club, you know, did that – I call it the Pinehurst number 2 look. I mean, they're, I think yeah, they're the first ones much. that kind of started it, right? Um, so, we, you know, you don't have a lot of rough in places, and you got some less mowing areas, and those the, the small things count. But that thing you were talking about that Hunky Yoon had, that system, the Deacon, he showed that to me when he was in here and how not only to your point where you can find the traffic areas and whatever, but – a bunker that's never been used has never gets hit has never gotten hit into that you're having to spend time raking or manicuring or taking care of you get rid of it and yep. then it's gone and nobody knows any different i was at the meeting the other day with um uh, bob sagani at true blue yep. in, in caledonia and um and we were talking about some of the kind of the post-covid you know who all went back to bunker rakes and who all's you know went back to flag sticks and water coolers and all that well to you know as long as i have any say so we're not going to go back to water coolers on the golf course. So if we've gone two years without them and the heat never changed and the rounds are up, well, we can go a couple more years without them. So bunker rakes, I was talking to Bob about that, and I said, what are you doing? He said, we didn't put bunker rakes back. He said, the whole golf course is um, waste areas. Hmm. So you can ground your club, take practice swing. If if, you know, if they were allowing you to move at a club length or six inches, scorecard, whatever it is, you can move. To, so they're not going to that either. And when we're the waste areas, you get a big rainstorm. We played Tobacco Road one time, and it was a big rainstorm before. And it's a, what, 250 to, depends on what time of the year, yeah. close to 300-round golf course. And Daniel reminded me, I said, we need to go out here and hit these bunkers. He goes, Dad, I said, you just played a $300-round golf course, and they didn't rake them. Right. right. <laughs> I said, well. Well, I, I tell you the one thing I hope I never see from that, that we saw in COVID, I, I hope I never see is those noodle inserts into the holes of, of everywhere we go. Cause yeah. they, I mean, they were, we went the first one we came back for. They had noodle insert first championship we had, and we had actually had to take them out because they were not they were cut so high the ball actually went across yeah. the, the hole. Well, you're not gonna like mine. Ours aren't that high because we play, you know. Right. So we we but I kept them and I said they, somebody asked me the other day they said when are you gonna take them out? I said probably never. And here's the sole reason why is because if you play a lot of golf and you play in a group and. and the USGA proved that if everybody leaves the flag stick in, it'll take like 16 minutes out of a round of golf. Okay. But if you're in a group where this guy don't care if it's in, you know, leave it in for me, and then the next guy who's a foot ahead of him wants it out, and then the next guy who's a foot ahead of him wants it back in, so now you're putting it in, out, in, out, in, out. And then when you do leave the flag in there, the biggest thing before COVID, when they announced that rule you can leave the flag in there, the biggest thing was tearing up the lips of the cup. So lips of the cups were getting tore up in half of a day from everybody reaching their hand in there and just tearing up the edge gotcha. of the cups. With that foam noodle, you don't have that problem. I didn't think about that. So the ball just sits in there, and you're not tearing up the edge of the cup. I'm going to have to go against Biff on this. I, the noodles never bothered me. Well, apparently it's two to one. So it I'm is. You've <laughs> lost this argument. It's not the first argument I've ever lost either, I can promise you. And I heard some people complaining about if you hit it too bad, it'll bounce out. Now, I've never had a problem. you got to hit the right speed. But, um, yep. no. uh, something that happened big this year for South Carolina was a young lady you know won the U.S. Women's Amateur, Jensen Castle. And I think a big part of her story is Charwood Golf Club, without a doubt. So, And you were showing a picture of her as a child. I mean, I knew her. I had the pleasure of knowing her when she was a, a youngster too, but probably not as good as you did. Yeah, they, they were, I mean, just class act girls, both of them. The, um, uh, Jalen. Her and Jalen were just class act, and they were, I mean, they just loved the game of golf, and they would pound balls and pound balls and pound balls. Competitive. And, 
Good. The, uh, the pictures that you saw was, you know, she's standing on the range tee barefooted in her golf outfit barefooted. And, and um, you know, and then the, the one I love the most is the range basket, empty range basket turned upside down. Yeah. Sitting there resting, you know, I think she's probably watching her sister hit balls. And right. the, the entire club, um, that, and I hate to say this, you can cut this out. If I, the ladies club didn't really like them that much. Because they, they beat them. were so competitive, and they beat them all the time. Right. And we kind of butted heads with the, um, you know, the women's club. I said, hey, you know, y'all should be adopting them, doing some kind of, you know, tournaments and, and helping pay for their colleges, you know, if they if they get partial rides or something like that, where you can help pay for their college and, and take pride in, 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 in these girls being part of your organization. But they didn't like getting beat. Right. And um, <laughs> so they always played with, they played with the men. And they yeah. played with um, – they played in the men's dog fight, and the men loved having them to death, and everybody would fight over who gets them. That's great. <laughs> uh, they were players, man, no doubt. Yeah. They still are, you know. Yeah. Well, and the way she's – I tell you, I, I, I've gotten to talk to her a couple times since this thing happened, and the way she's handled herself, I mean, the, the thing she's coming back to speak to our, our group at the Hartsville Country Club for the uh, fall check for the Players' Championship coming up here in the next two couple weekends. But, you know, on her own volition, she. I did tell her, I said, some, at some point in time you're going to have to say no um, because, you know, you just can't do everything. Um, but she's done a wonder, wonderful job of, of doing all that. And I think a lot of that shows from what she probably learned being around Charlwood and being right. around those guys, too. Yeah, they, they all took them under wings, and they and they matured really fast because, you know, you're not. they didn't play a whole lot of other golf with a lot of – there wasn't any other girls until they got into, um, you know, playing junior golf in the, in the competitive events. And then uh, traveling, you know, then getting into college golf and the high school, when the high school golf into college. But until those years, and other than the junior events, they didn't have any other young girls that they were playing with. There was right. there was nothing, you know, that caliber or, and we didn't have it at the club that many. So they were playing with all the older people. So you grow up a whole lot faster. Just the same world that you were in growing up here, yep, no doubt. Around your dad, you grow up a whole lot faster because you're around a completely different set of people. And you mature faster, you learn faster, there's a whole lot of that goes with it. I still find myself hanging out with a bunch of guys a whole lot older than me. They're, they're all super seniors now, but I'm hanging out with them and I enjoy it. <laughs> Back then, you knew she was good. There's yeah. no doubt. But did you know, did you think one day she could be that good? Um, I'm not around, you know, I haven't been around that much, you know, competitive junior golf other than, when, you know, than, yeah. than playing. Um, and we didn't have that many at the club. I mean, we had a bunch of juniors, but nothing that, that was, you know, a lot of uh, smaller college schools. But, I mean, I knew that uh, – uh, and at that time, you got to remember, that was at that time when if you could break 80, you had a full ride. Right, right. You know, exactly. So you didn't have to be really, really good. You know, yeah. you, you had girls getting partial rides shooting 84. Yeah. And, um, you know, if, if that. Um, so I knew that they were going to go somewhere, but I didn't know she was going to be – you right. know, I knew she had it, but you know, yeah, not it didn't. The US. But it didn't. The answer, short answer was it didn't surprise me. No, you could see it, and you, it, you know, it's fifty-fifty if anybody gets lucky and the stars line up. But there, I mean, during my tenure junior golf, I felt like there's five kids I picked out. He could make it. He could make it. She could make it. And she the was biggest thing I'm worried about was you know you see a lot of kids in baseball and they start that young, and they and it, you know it used to be when we were growing up you played you know two or three sports, yeah, and which is now what they're all the professional uh, sports are trying to get everybody to go back to. Yeah. And and the college is okay with it, and the professional is okay with it. But you're not going to get that uh, that Little League baseball, travel ball to go along with it because they want right. to win, and the parents want their kids playing year-round baseball, which is, in my opinion, one of the worst things you can do. Yeah. So either one or two things, they either get really good at it or 
they just get burnt out and say, I quit. Yep. And I've seen more people say, I'm done, than I've seen stick with it and go. We've seen a lot of that through the junior ranks, and especially especially those ones that, you know, like you said, got the parents pushing them. And I remember back in my junior days, I remember kid, we went to Myrtlewood for the Carolinas Golf Association Junior. And while we were going out to the arcades or whatever in the evenings, his his daddy was pushing him over the fence to go putt on the nearest putting green to get a, under the flashlights to get it done. Sean White. I'll never forget that name. Sean White was his name. He's gone. He's not playing anymore. Um, All right. There's some interesting things, kind of non-golf related, that I've learned about rock I find very interesting. Your Gamecock Tailgate Club, the Rockstar Trailer Park, correct? Yep. And yep. there's a Facebook page if you want to follow <laughs> yep. along, because I do follow along. One day I'm going to attend the Rockstar Tell me about that. Um, again, grew up, you know, RVing. So, you know, we were we were outdoors. So, my dad was avid outdoorsman. So, it was either golf, we were RVing, we were boating, we were on the water. So, um, I grew up RVing when, you know, I was a young adult. I bought an RV and my kids grew up RVing. And then um, it, and it was, shoot, it's probably been 10 years now or more. It was in a way game opening game thursday night um i think we were at uh, vandy and so everybody decided not to go and they said so we went to the golf course and i mowed a field out out there on the other <laughs> side of the parking lot so we parked all the rvs in the in the field out there and then we watched the ball game under the patio and cooked out and then we um and we had a night golf tournament the oh, next wow. night so we played golf the next day had to cook out again and had night golf and so somebody said, man, this is pretty cool. We ought to do this all the time, you know. And so one of my buddies came up with a logo that, you know, I think it was like the Northern Star or something logo and everything. He said, this is Rockstar Trailer Park. And so, and we'd always, a couple of us had parked together, at a, you know, over the years. So we've been, as long as I can remember, we've taken RVs to Carolina football. Right. But for the most part, it was, um, you would go that day. And then as parking started opening up around the stadium, then you could stay overnight. We were in the farmer's market. And there was a couple of stories about getting kicked out. <laughs> Oh, sure. kicked out there too. <laughs> another Thursday night game but we won't go there and um and so we uh matter of fact they were going to kick us out the farmer's market because of a incident and um so this man don't kick us out he said well I'll tell you what I got a spot that you know and we called it a penalty box so they took us at the very back of the old farmer's market and but it had grass it had everything oh. we'd, we'd bring the weed to cut all the grass and boxes ourselves in had our own little private nice. area nice and then it just kind of grew so we'd meet somebody else that had an RV, and they said, man, I want to park with y'all. So now we're up to, I think, 26 um, of us, and uh, we've got our own parking at the National Guard Armory back there, uh, FEMA federal hookup spots. Rockstar Trailer out. Park. Do you go to every home game? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And do you go a lot of the aways? Um, we used to go to a lot of the away games, and then um, one of my best friends died of cancer um, eight years ago. And when he was fighting his cancer, he, was, he fought it for four years um so when he had the cancer he couldn't he got to where he couldn't travel and he had a farm up in um up i-20 in um pine branch so we put in rv hookups at the farm and he had a cookhouse and we put in big screen tv in the cookhouse and all that so instead of going to the away games nice we would all go to the farm so we would have about eight to ten rvs would go up there and we'd spend the whole weekend friday saturday sunday at the farm and hang out with him and then we still, up until this year, because the grandfather just died, um, up until this year, we still go to that farm, and he passed away nine years ago. Really? But we would still go to his family farm in honor of him, and so we, you know, we'll go to a game here and there, 
but most of the time we all get together and go somewhere else and watch it in the RVs. Well, I got to tell you, as a fellow Carolina alum and watching it for 47 years myself, all kudos to you to go and watch an <laughs> yeah. old game. Oh, it's, it ain't easy. It ain't easy being you know a game well. cop, bro. You know well. <laughs> Something else. This is probably the most fascinating thing for me the last time you and I talked was your, your love for boating. And I'm not talking about just a boat on Lake Murray. This man takes his boat into the seven seas. And through, you've even gone through the Panama Canal, am I right? No, hadn't done that. Okay. Hadn't done that. Yeah, we go um, uh, we go to the Abacos in the Bahamas. And Abaco was the furthest easternmost string of islands. There's no cruise ships. There's, But you've all heard of Baker's Bay. Right. That's where all the tour players go. And you see all the tour okay. players, the young tour players there, playing in nothing but bathing suits and barefooted yeah. and all yeah. that. That's in Abacos. Okay. So uh, you'll see NASCAR drivers leave Daytona and go to Abacos. You'll see um, uh, t- professional uh, players, uh, golfers go over there. The young ones are going over to Baker's Bay and playing, which Baker's Bay is a, a private part of the Abaco uh, yeah. Island. But it's a string of islands. All the islands run from 5 to 10 miles, 12 miles apart. Uh, no cruise ships. It's hard to get there. I mean, there's the direct flights, but, you know, you got to take a ferry once you land, then you got to take a ferry boat to another island, and you can only way you can get around is by boat. And right. um, so there's – You'll go to you'll see half of Charleston, you'll see some people in Columbia, and I'm not going to mention names, but they've got places there, and oh, um, so hey, we go every year. You take your boat? Yes, been doing it. First time I did it, somebody asked me to go. I said, "Man, I don't know anything about that kind of stuff." He said, "Well, follow me." So I followed this other guy. He'd been going for like 15 years, went every year. So I took our boat, followed him, and then uh, Daniel was eight, his older brother was 12, so they would have went. When they were eight years old, Daniel's 27 now, so we've been going 20 years. What size boat you taking to this thing? Well, I've taken everything from including my boats, friends' boats, and all that. I got my master's captain's license, but I didn't do it for hire. I did it just for own family safety. And so I've taken everything from 18-footers to 60-footers. Wow. And um, And not perfect weather every time either. No. (laughs) No. I was in a, a 58 and got our butts just handed to us you know because you've got a a short stretch of the gulf stream so you leave you know we normally leave either stewart or west palm beach and then you go over and you got to cross the gulf stream so um it can change on you quickly so you can go from glass to it can throw a 58 60 foot boat around quick i got to tell you having grown up on lake murray all my life and done a lot of boating on lake murray my, my one my one promising thing about lake murray was if my boat broke down or weather got bad i'm still gonna be in lake murray yeah something goes bad out there you could end up who knows where out there in oh, we, you um, can end up in africa or, or two years ago we uh we found out that the bohemian government the bohemian coast guard does not answer to uh maydays <laughs> oh wow yeah, we, we had one of those and um uh and the only thing they said well is if you do make it to land do not come into the inlet Go because they didn't want the boat to sink in the inlet. They didn't block the inlet. So if you do make it, go on around. Don't come up here. Just hit hit the beach. But, oh my gosh! Yeah. Well, how did you make it? Uh, we uh, found what the the issue was. Okay. And um, I mean, the boat was about the one rogue wave, and we were we were done. So every, everybody done donned their um, offshore Survival. jackets. We done donned everything, and we had other boats with us. So the other boat would pull over and. So I said, hey, let's get our stuff off the boat. So the first thing is was the guns, money, and passport bag. So that, we threw that one overboard to another boat. And then he was, you know, you can't stay 
next to the boat, yeah. so you got to make a circle and come back. And he made the second one, and my wife was throwing a, a bag over, and she saw the driver of the boat catch something and before she threw her, her bag, and she looked back, and I was throwing the, <laughs> the liquor over. Oh, wow. <laughs> and she said, what are you doing? I said, we've already got the guns, the money, and passport. It. I said, now we got to have the liquor if we make it. It's priorities, baby, priorities. <laughs> That's crazy. I, you're good good for you. I don't have the guts to do that, I don't think. No, that when, when I originally heard this story from Rocket, it just blew my mind. All right. You know, I wouldn't have the guts. But well, then, in, in our family, um, and there was, was there was a story that led up to this, and uh, and I was with the in laws, and we had some issues about something else. We were in the mountains this time, though. And Daniel was a young kid. And he said, "What are we doing, Dad?" And then my brother in law says, "We're making memories, son. We're making <laughs> memories." It. So it. now, anytime something happens, we say, making "We're making memories." memories. I hear you. That's great. So, what's your exit? Your personal exit strategy for Charwood? That's a good question. I probably would have already done it had okay. Daniel not. Uh, wanted to be in the business. Gotcha. Um, and again, you know, alluding back to a conversation we had earlier, I said, you know, which you and you and Daniel both, Biff, you and Daniel both hard-headed. You know, we, you know, said you don't want to do this, man. It's it's a great life, but it's a hard. You know, it's one thing if you were just a golf professional and this is what I'm going to do every day, and if I don't like it here, I can go somewhere else. I can move somewhere else in the country. I'm a superintendent. I don't like it. I want to go. It's I'm not saying it's really easy, but it's in today's world, if you're halfway good at anything, you can go find a job. Yeah. But no one really wants to hire owners. Right. No. <laughs> That's not a very marketable um, uh, resume. Um, nobody wants anybody working for them that's been, you know, calling shots for all these years. It's hard to it's, – it's just – it's not easy to do. Um, so I would have been gone. But – and I told Daniel, I said, it's, you know, it's not what you want to do. It's hard. It's a hard – way to make a living it's, 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 uh, I don't know if y'all watch Yellowstone you watch Yellowstone I've not seen it yet. I haven't I've heard myself I've heard I, I heard I, I need to yeah I keep I, I keep getting told I need to do it yeah uh, yo. I'm gonna well, watch it tonight Sunday Sunday night the new episode the new season comes God, out so night, but you can't up. watch that one until you catch up on all the other all right. you gotta I'll binge watch them yeah but he um the, the Kevin Costner and the grandson in the mountains and Kevin Costner keeps talking to you know said the young grandson said, I want to be a rancher one day. And he said, no, you don't want to be a rancher, son. He said, well, why not, Grandpa? I said, well, you know, you can't control the uh, uh, price of beef at the market. You can't control the price of the grain and the, um, uh, what it takes to feed the uh, cattle. You can't control the price of the fuel and the inputs and everything else. Um, you're constantly fighting federal government regulations and state lo- uh, regulations and local regulations and uh, taxes and all of these things. And, you know, it's just it's a hard, hard life. He said, well, Grandpa, if it's so hard, why do you do it? Because it's a hell of a life. And so, <laughs> a hell of a life. and so that's one of my favorite things because in golf the same way. Almost yeah. every single one of those are true to golf, but it's a hell of a life. And I couldn't imagine doing anything else. So, but I'm stay, I stayed just because that's what, you know, Daniel said, I want to, yeah. this is what I want to do. I said, all right, well, I'm going to do it as long as, you know, you want to do it. Um, I don't doing... ever see myself, you know, quitting, retiring. Okay. I mean, I'll do right. this. And I, and I tell everybody I've been semi-retired for, you know, a long time because I don't have to open up the shop. I, you know, I don't. I don't even have a key to the shop. You know, I don't. I don't open it. And I remember listening to Dave Thomas one day. He said, "Well, when are you going to retire?" He said, "Hell, I retired a long time ago." He said, "Because I'm not the one opening the door in the morning. And I'm not the one locking it at night." That's it. That's but it. You, you still cut some cups, don't you? Oh yeah. Well, we do He's everything. I mean, yeah, I know. But that's well, not- I just finished. It's a yesterday morning. Finished. You know, uh, I was a little bit late getting some of it out, but just finished spraying the whole golf course water all pre-emerged, and then as a typical day, come up around the corner and. 
there's the whole cart path is flooded so we got a line that blew out in the middle of the night and it's been it washed out of half of a tea box and finished spraying and go get in the hole and fix the irrigation line and uh repair that and then go back into the clubhouse and you know see what all inventory came in for you know for the golf shop and then go back in the office do payroll and bills and go back out you know right get on a chainsaw late in the afternoon and start cutting up some you know trees this time of year and not much time for lunch or playing let me ask you this because we, we we just got together we, you and i were together last week at the south carolina golf course owners association down uh, daniel island and you know usually at the, the meetings i've been to has been kind of a little bit somber and things you know not everybody's things have been kind of tough but what do you put to this pandemic and bringing golf back up on his feet and, and are we going to see this continued on for a little while or what, what is your thoughts on this um pre-covid we you know now we have a little bit different story because we went through some um issues post 2007 there was a lot of variables in there that was kind of like the old i keep going back to the movie shawshank it was you know the perfect storm you know um uh, nobody ever saw this coming you know everybody goes through a storm but nobody ever thought the storm would last this long so we went through a lot of different variables um personal financial uh health uh, there's a lot of variables and so things didn't go but we 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 righted the ship we bottomed out in 2014 um so that was our last uh downward trend year so ever since 2014 we've been increasing and and it kind of gets a snowball effect so it increases a little and then it increases more and more so after 2019 i looked at daniel and said this is our barometer this is our new uh benchmark because golf cannot get better in our world, there's not a whole lot more things that we can do to make it, you know, better uh, revenue and round-wise and, um, in 2019. Well, COVID hit. Mm-hmm. And then the rest is kind of history. So it just blew 2019 out of the water. Um, and then 2021. And so I, in going to these meetings, you know, so we keep – I've asked myself the same thing. So how long do we think this is going to last? And I, no matter what we do, we – we compare 2021 to 2020 just kind of see, but we always still use 19 as our benchmark because if things go to crap, I still want to use 19 as our normal business environment uh, benchmark. So as you were sitting in that room just like I was, and there's a lot of smart people in that room, and so I, I, I can't imagine golf operators not going to sit in this room with people and pick these guys' brains mm. and listen and know what to how you plan your business based on the expertise that was in that room. So, and what Terry had talked about about going to the resorts and let them kind of help me read the tea leaves because they're the ones who are doing long term bookings. Yep. So nobody's going to uh, uh, Charleston or Hilton Head or Myrtle Beach, and you know you might do a short somebody nearby to a short weekend, but most people are booking big trips long term out. Well, those guys' bookings are out the roof, as you you heard. So oh, good. I'm going to go with the feel of the guys that, um, with the long-term bookings and say that it's still, you know, it's going to be here for a while. Yeah. And like, in, and then you weren't in this meeting. We had a board meeting prior, and one of the guys they were talking about how many people are not going back to the office to the sticks and bricks mortar that they're working from home and working remotely and traveling. So that, even though there's some people going back and going back and you know maybe in swing shifts or going back one day a week or something like that. As long as they're not going back to the office and they've got the freedom to travel and to play golf, 
I think you know. I think we're going to be here for a while. Brian, Brian Gerard, director of golf at Kiowa Resorts, the five golf course they got. He said you could. He if he had a six golf course, he could put on that island right now. He would fill it up tomorrow. Really? That's how much golf they got playing. See, right I now. always thought the resorts were the ones hurting the most, at least at the beginning. Yes. And but I think traveling now, the the I asked him about the cottages. I said, Brian, I know your golf courses are full. How about your cottages? Full booked. Well, the resorts too. Now you've got two different. You got the resorts with memberships and then you got the resorts you know what in their travel so take hilton head an example so hilton head does a ton of business and, and um uh destination uh business package business and all that but they also have the snowbirds that come down in the winter and then their package play is in the spring and summer to, and so they've got a pretty good year-round business plan well yes they hurt on the travel but they made up for it on all the people who didn't go home Right. So all the local states, so all the northerners didn't go back. And it's, you know, why do I want to go back to all this? Right. You know, and I want to get into politics. But why right. do I want to go back yeah. there when I can stay in this America where it's a different world? Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, so that kept them okay, good. going. Good. I know there was a lot of clubs who may have been on the struggle bus, and the pandemic certainly helped them. I know in my travels, and, you know, I'm, I'm, some of the golf clubs are, are doing well, and, and maybe some of them are, are making money now, what have you, but – it's just given a lot of the places a chance to catch up from what they've been fighting for the last 14, 13 years since 2007 and 8 and um, a lot them of on golf, the right side of yeah, A lot of golf courses were surviving on spending their um, capital improvements and deferred maintenance. You know, they weren't spending – we were one of them. Right. We weren't spending a dime, you know. About the only thing you do is change your light bulb. I mean, you couldn't do anything else. So this has allowed golf courses to do exactly what you just said. It's allowed golf courses to spend the money – to kind of catch back up on these deferred maintenance and on some capital improvement projects that they weren't able to do, equipment purchases. Um, so there's a lot of things that golf courses have been able to, to the, do. The downside of all that is it's hard to get a tee time some places now. You ought to try to schedule a golf tournament. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's one, been one of our other podcasts on the, the National Golf Course Owners, and I just did one uh, a couple weeks ago, and it was on tournaments. And the golf courses, they don't want them anymore. You know, we used to want these big tournaments, these 120 to 144 person outings. And, yep. uh, well, you make more money now at a golf course. And everybody said, man, I'm going to bring you 144. So, yeah, but I'm going to play 220. Exactly. Right. right. And yeah, I'm going right. to make more money at them charging rack rate because you're going to want to beat up on me. You're going to, I'm bringing you this, and yeah. this for this. Can you discount it? Yep, we get it. And, you know, we, we, we're, we, we've we been doing it, and we're, we're filling the schedule as best we can. But, you know, I, I've been told no a lot in my life, and no doesn't hurt me. I, I certainly understand it, but we're you know we're, we're getting a lot of those, and 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 makes sense. I mean, you got to get it while it getting's good right now, no doubt about it. Well, we've even gone so far as to um, it's a flat fee, so we don't do there's no more per person price. You rent right. the golf course, you rent the golf yes, course. That's exactly right. That's yeah. exactly right. So if you've got under seventy two, because I can put seventy two on the back nine and shotgun you on the back nine, I can have my open tee times say before nine so i can tee time from seven o'clock to nine o'clock on the front shotgun the back have them turn to the front and then open back two up. hours later open up the front yeah. tee but if you've got 73 people you got to rent the whole golf course and it's gonna be x number of dollars and that's gonna be whatever our revenue is for that day right and you're gonna have to pay that and so i learned that again from being in a room with a bunch of people smarter than i am and so this gentleman was in <laughs> pennsylvania a good buddy of mine smart operator he said this is what we started doing and I said, man, that's a, you know, have you, have you had any pushback? He goes, well, I mean, if they don't get it, I'm still going to make that kind of money. Right. And so they did it. And so we, we've already done, we just implemented it. And we had not had anybody bat an eye. 
Good. I mean, you either need to undersell your tournament and have, you know, 72, or you need to sell the daylight side of it yeah. and max it out. So you said something a minute ago. I want to hit on to let people know you do host the podcast. Maybe not every episode, but the the name of it was, uh, is. It's through the uh, National Golf Course Owners Association, and yep. one of them is owner to owner. Okay. And so we'll have owners from across the golf, uh, across the country, no prescript, just like today. You yeah. Know, you just start talking about what, you know, something might have happened yesterday. Right. The issues at hand. Yeah. Whatever's yeah. going on, whether it's, you know, property taxes, it could be just what you just talked about, tournament pricing. It can be, um, you know, anything. Right. And then we just have this uh, chat and, you know, it'd be like sitting and we, <laughs> we talked about doing one, a buddy of mine. So I talked about doing one, call it the drunk golf course owner, because you <laughs> you got to have a couple drinks first. Sure. And then you start really talking hey, about what's going on. Then this thing can go on forever. <laughs> I, I hear you. I hear you. You enjoy that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. good. And um, You've got I, the voice for it, man. Well, I tell people all the time, I said, if it wasn't for the group of people that I met from across the country, we would have been out of business a lot. We would have not survived what we went through in two, post-2007. We would not be here. And I, I honestly stand up in front of a room full of 1,000 people and say it's the people in that room that took me in and helped me and I learned from and that Daniel's learned from and that there's people across this country that are some smart, smart people, man. There's some right. people in this industry. I mean, this yeah. golf and, industry. In the room in Charleston, that, I mean, the knowledge in there. And that's what the one guy when we were in another board meeting, he goes, and he said, I can't wait to get in this other meeting. He said, because I, I come here to feed off of all these other people in this room and, you know, that, that's been through this or figured out a better way, a better mousetrap. And we've got a, I've actually got a conference coming up, uh, a golf administrators conference. We were meeting in Dallas, Texas this year. And, but literally, we, we, we go and we, we, we state it. We're going to steal each other's ideas. I mean, that, that's part of what we're doing. We're going to network. How are you doing this? How are you doing this? This sounds great. I'm going to take that back and implement it and see if I can make it work. And, I mean that that's that's how the that's how it rolls. That's We've got it. when we do the uh, national conference, the golf business conference, we have a um, it's called a group. We call it the masterminds. Now it's it's kind of become more of a it's actually on the agenda. It used to never be on the agenda or on itinerary. So uh, Jeff Hogue started it. We were at a um, listened to a guy, Greg Patterson. He was the uh, manager of the Beach Club in I don't know Los Angeles, uh, wherever one of the the oldest beach clubs in California and every conference that they had it'd be like a CMAA or something conference they would all go in a day or two early and you know they would ride bikes and they would do started raising money for somebody needed help somebody's kid this or somebody this and they would do it kind of raise money and they would get together and he said we would laugh and cry we would share heartbreak together we would share and celebrate um, promotions or somebody got married, somebody had a child, a grandchild, or whatever, and they would celebrate all that together. And then he said, but your job as a manager is to steal ideas from other people and claim them as your own. All right, there you go. <laughs> so the next year, Jeff called it, started something called the Masterminds, and so it started out with four of us, and he would get a table in the corner of the bar on a, uh, at the hotel, and then it went to 16, then it went to 20, and then last year – the room wasn't big enough because they actually formalized it, and there's no set agenda. You just start talking, yeah. solve problems, and um, and it's called the, the masterminds and this stealing. That's it. Stealing ideas. That's cool. Another thing I I want to talk about before we wrap this thing up is the tournament you do, Charwood Charities. Pretty special. You host it yourself. I got I had the pleasure of playing last year, and we talked about it before we went on air today. And you got 15 teams on the wait list. I can't play this year unless I find a spot. Yes. <laughs> 
It's uh, it's tough because we do have um, last year, and, and somehow somebody slipped through the cracks. They've been playing in it for this was twenty four years. So last year they've been playing it for twenty two, and somehow or another we screwed up and overlooked them, and and it was heartbreaking for us and heartbreaking for them that they couldn't um, play in it, and. I've got people, you know, hey, I want to put in. I said, you know, even today, every time I go to the mailbox, I said, please don't be a team. Please don't be a team because people will mail them. <laughs> right. And um, and you'll see something coming. And um, But we started it. The, um, my father passed away in um, February of 98, and we started it November of 98, that year. So I did a tournament in honor of him. Yeah. And we do it that time of year. We moved it to Veterans Day several years ago just because a lot of county employees that wanted to play they could get off yeah so a lot of people were off on veterans day my father was a world war ii uh navy veteran so we just kind of do two things honor veterans and do that and then we take all the money well most of the money and we buy christmas okay. for the kids at the That's right. uh, middle school and elementary school and we go through the guidance counselors um and say hey which families legitimately in the school knows you know who yeah. really needs it and then what we'll do is we'll buy gift cards, and then we'll give them to the school, and then the parents will come to the school, and so we're removed from that process, and then the guidance counselors give them out for the parents to go buy their kids uh, Christmas. Yeah, still that's awesome, pretty special. So we'll do hundred to hundred and twenty kids a year. Wow, good for y'all. That's great. Everybody has fun for a good cause. Oh yeah, if, and then if we, we our motto is like my buddy died of the cancer. He. Uh, he said, if you didn't have fun, it's your own damn fault. And that's what we say at all of our outings. If you don't have fun today, it's your own damn fault. Well, you had me hooked when I saw the onion sausage wraps out there. I was like, oh, this is my kind of place. Game on, baby. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That, Bloody Mary, mimosas, and cigars. Man. Yeah. You can, just give me the onion sausage. I'm good. <laughs> you can keep the other. But how about a hat Waythrop story? You got any hat Waythrop story to finish this off on? Uh, Yeah. <laughs> can it be told? <laughs> there's, a, there's a couple, and I, there's one of them probably everybody tells in um, – we were going to a meeting in North Carolina, and this is, you know, everybody knows he's going to be on time, so we were going to meet in North <laughs> Carolina. So we were going to meet at a uh, uh, exit, like a McDonald's or something, and leave one of the cars. So I was riding with Terry, so I met Terry at Charleston, and then we rode to go meet Hap, and we were all going to ride in this meeting up in North Carolina together. And we were worried about trying to um, get there and, you know, uh, Hap, you know, not be waiting on us or whatever, and get there on time. And we got there, and Hap had already been there for like an hour, <laughs> hour and 20 minutes. And, Dude, what are you doing? What are you doing here this early? And then he went through his whole spill about um, falling in the mud time. Yep, that's yep. exactly yep. right. Yep. Yeah. You know my you know my answer to that. And this falling in the mud time referred to my sister at a softball game. He got her there early for pitchers. She fell in the mud. He had time there. He got her so early. He got a time to get her home, get her changed, to get her back for the pitchers. I told him. I said, you know the problem with that story is he goes, he goes what's that? I said you got her there so early. She had time to fall into the mud. <laughs> <laughs> but that's true. That's true. I didn't think but, about that. You're, you're right. There's a lot of people that had, had, had worried about Hap getting there and beating him to the punch. So, but he's um, just he's. I mean, he was a always a professional, and everybody loved him to you know death. And when he walks into a room, you know he's he's not bigger than he is bigger than the room, but he's not. You know he, yeah. he's as down to earth and solid as they come. Yeah. He's right. You're right. Well, right. Let me tell you what, what you've done for for golf in. Uh, the Lexington County area, uh, South Carolina, and the nation with your role and support. Um, we can't thank you enough, man. You've been a, you've been rock solid. You're you're what the golf industry is all about, and we appreciate you being well, a part of it. We thank you everything that y'all do, and the association, and the junior golf, and everything that y'all do for golf, and 
you know, keeping us going, and you know, we're just happy to be part of the, you know, uh, of the uh, of the big picture. There you go. Thank you. Thank you, Rock. Thank y'all.